My name is Ashley Turner, I am a domestic violence survivor and I went from being the victim and poor me about my domestic violence to being an award-winning professional and saying fuck you to my adversity and instead using it as fire in my belly because I am a big believer that we need to be the change that we want to see in our world and in our lives and the only way we can do that is by taking responsibility for our lives and taking responsibility for adversity to move forward, to heal, to empower ourselves and empower each other. So let's get straight into the podcast where we say fuck you to adversity and we use it as fire in our bellies. Today's episode is an empowered conversation. What does this mean? This is one of the segments from my podcast where I will be interviewing an empowering person who will be sharing their triumph over adversity story or be sharing a personal, passionate, empowering topic to help you, give you the tools, give you the tips and tricks and insight how you can overcome your own personal adversity. So let's get straight into it. Well, I just wanted to say thank you so much for reaching out to me. Like I love just random people contacting me and going hey I love what you're doing Ash can I share my story and I'm like yes that's how it all happens all my guests have been like that yeah no and I found you I think I I think I found you on Instagram actually and then I was like reading and like looking and listening to things I was like oh I love this vibe that's good so it's you know you never know some people like you some people don't I'm very direct and loud and I swear a lot so hopefully that's relatable to everyone same. No, I, yeah, <laughs> exactly the same. I always say about myself that I think people like either, um, like, I love Sal or I don't like Sal. There's no one that goes, Sal, yeah, she's okay. Yeah, exactly. I, that kind of person. It's black or white. Which one is it? You love me or you're like, oh, gosh, I don't want to be with her again. <laughs> yeah, I never need to see that person again in my yeah. life. Yeah. So you got too much energy, you need to chill out. And I'm like, well, they're just not my people then, okay? <laughs> like. By the way, I absolutely love your lipstick colour. What is that? I'm actually, this is like a sneaky little thing. I'm actually looking at doing a brand of lipstick. So I've got all my samples at the moment and it's going to obviously be in, in the in the running because I'm someone that loves my lipstick, the red lipstick, but I need to make sure it's all long-lasting. I'm testing all these different brands and stuff because, you know what, that I hate lipstick where you have a sip of coffee and then it's gone. So... I'm not the same. I'm also like, I love lipstick. However, I'm like a huge fidgeter and everything. Yes. And, and in this COVID world, I realized I actually touch my face a lot because, you know, when we started to be told not to. So if I wear like red lipstick, if I like if I wear like a, a satiny kind or just yes. like a, a very, very liquidy kind, I mean, it's just, I look like a child. It's just everywhere. Yes. I have to have matte, but it has to be like a nourishing matte. Yes. Now, I'm a matte person too. I don't like the shiny stuff. So I found, I found a manufacturer that I like. I've been testing all the red, drinking everything, smudging my hands on things. Like, And my son's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I need to make sure that women can wear this all day. And it literally, I have to scrub this one off. Like I actually tested a black one yesterday because I, I thought it was really cool. And I was like, holy shit, I'm not going to be able to get this off. Like I was like, I was like but that's what we want. It doesn't come off. And it's so weird to me that they took so long to like sort of discover that this was needed in lipstick because like it was always mascara. But I was like, no, oh. I need it in the lipstick too. Yes. Your lips are bloody got everything. Your eyes just stay there. <laughs> it's the focus of my face. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. I will take this color on note then. Yeah. Whatever the hell that color is, I will take that on board. There you go. Well, I am quite, as you know, if you've already, already heard my podcast, I'm quite organic. I like to go with the flow. I've got some questions that I want to ask, but 100% of the time I don't even look at this. Um, and I just go with what you're basically saying and I'll write down other sort of questions. So don't be offended oh, if I'm if writing. You, if you want to, like, if I'm saying something and you want to get it on track and like, go in a different direction, just take over. No, that's right. That's normally what I'll do. I'll tap you back in yeah. line kind of thing. Yeah. Um. But honestly, the first thing that I wanted to kick it off with is telling your story. Like, what was that rock bottom story? What was that adversity that you were facing that you want to share with us right now? Okay. 
So I moved to Hollywood when I was 24. I literally finished my master's degree and got on a plane. And I knew two people, but I was just in Hollywood. I was like, I want to go and write movies and novels and just write fun things. And my entrance into the Hollywood, into actually working in Hollywood was quite quick, relatively speaking. Like I'd sold my first um, like piece of writing and, and then script within 15 to 18 months, which is, wow. which is pretty easy when I look back on it. So it wasn't until I actually was started to actually work in Hollywood that it became really difficult. Now, for a while, I did have a writing partner, a female writing partner, but she just, she was Australian as well, and she decided to move back to Australia, so we were no longer working together. So the moment I became an individual writer, writing on my own, everything changed. When, when we had worked, when I had the writing partner, when we had gone to meetings and things like that, there were some men who would be flirtatious or like make us feel a bit uncomfortable but because we had each other we could combat it the moment I didn't have that other person and I was completely on my own it just it just kept getting progressively worse there's I don't and I've spent a lot of time wondering why part of it I wrote screenplays that were romantic comedies and they would always be about strong yet flawed independent liberated women who quite often by the end of the movie didn't need the guy because I wanted to very much make that a normal rom-com happy ending type thing that you could just have this growth and go nope that person's not right for me and I'm going to just focus on me so that's why none of them have been made because the men who run Hollywood did not like that they weren't featured on the love and that's the story of my life so I think they should be doing that every woman would relate exactly like I wrote a script one time about um a woman who didn't want to have kids but she loved kids but she just knew she didn't want to have them and I had men going this is far too alienating and I was like no no even women who have kids like knowing they have the choice like it's yes. not actually alienating yes. at all but anyway I digress so it just yeah it started getting progressively worse and I think because I would sit in these meetings and when you're a writer you sort of have to sell yourself and your story and so you'd be like you know telling like you know funny little anecdotes from your life and because I did write about like sexually liberated women so there'd be a lot of conversation about that and I feel like that was the free pass that people mm. took to be like oh okay well we can go after that one that yeah. people men took and so I would get the worst thing that ever happened to me actually in a meeting was that you know you'd usually sit on opposite sides of a coffee table like on two couches or whatever or opposite sides of the desk and this one man sat on the couch with me. And I was like a bit weirded out by that. And he was just very unusual throughout the whole meeting. But he wanted me to write this script. And he wanted to write it on spec, which means I write it for free. But after I'd written it, he would buy it. As I was leaving, like walking out the door, he like came to shake my hand. And he put his hand down my pants. And he just went, you look great in skinny jeans. And just sort of gave me a squeeze. And I just like, it all happened in about three seconds. And I just walked out of the room and I was like walking to my car just sort of shaking going like did that happen did I imagine it what the hell just happened like I couldn't I couldn't I felt like I'd immediately become insane um and the deal is is that you know then I was like well I'm not going to write a script for this man because I never want to be in a room with him ever again so I don't deliver a script who's the unprofessional one me I don't have the power I don't have the legacy of nothing to fight it and when things would happen that like there was a director that was attached to one of my movies at one point um we went and had drinks to celebrate that we finished doing the rewrites and he oh like touching everything and the next day I actually called my managers and I said like I I'm really not comfortable with this and they were like I said can I tell the studio they're like well do you want your movie made no it hasn't been made anyway I may as well have made the biggest you know drama about it so this just happened Frequently, there's there's other stories as well, and there's lesser ones that could just even be like the flirtatious sort of thing. Where you're just like you're not here for me to do work with you. You've got a totally different motive from me being here. You're wasting my time. This is my livelihood. And so after what it would have been like by this point, about six or seven years of it happening, like because I refused to give up. I was like, no one will take my dream away from me. This is what I want to do. I will overcome this. I remember I woke up one morning, I was staring at the ceiling and I was like, I am in such a pit of despair. I couldn't write anymore. I'd lost my voice. I'd lost all of my confidence. And I was like, I, I, 
I just can't do this anymore. Like they have, they've stolen it from me. And so I moved to New York because I had this thing that I was like, if I go to New York, there's still industry there. At least I'm away from the toxicity of Hollywood, but I'm still connected to it. That there's just a separation. And in New York, I just I found an apartment, and in the process actually of finding the apartment to live, like I'd be on all of the different websites, and there would be guys saying like, oh, you can live here with me rent free if you just walk around naked. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm just trying to find somewhere to live. Like, why is this everywhere I look? So I finally found this apartment with these three other amazing girls and we just had the best time and it changed my life because suddenly I had a strong female support network. And I was like, okay, this is what needs, we all need to have this in our lives and this needs to be easily accessible. So I came back to Australia and together with my mom, we started a company where hopefully that is what happens oh my yeah. gosh and people can't see my face during this because it is a podcast but i'm pretty much looking my jaw hit the ground as soon as you said the guy put his hands on your pants like yes it was hands down the craziest experience in my life and i can talk about it pretty freely now because yeah. i like have lots of therapy with it i'm quite separated from it i know it wasn't my fault all of those sorts of things but there were years where i didn't talk about it well, well that's a great question because that's what i was thinking straight away so during all of that i know when you're put in situations like that somehow as a woman you think that's your fault yes so can you talk us through that like how did you go from i guess that victim mode or going oh my gosh this is all my fault to getting out on the other side to what I call the warrior mindset to go, no, you know, it wasn't me. Talk us through yeah. that. Okay. So instinctively, like when I, when I arrived in LA, I actually was sort of very much on like a, um, I suppose a moral and ethics crusade in a sense, because the thesis I had submitted just before I arrived was my philosophy thesis on ethics for my master's degree. So like, I was like educated in this sort of stuff. Yeah. So when bizarre things started happening, just beyond being like a human being who knows the difference between right and wrong, I was like, no, I'm actually educated like in right versus wrong. And so when I would say that, like at the beginning, when I'd be like, oh, this guy did this, this guy did this, and my managers and agents or just other people that I would talk to who were very entrenched in the industry would be like, yeah, that's just what happens. And defending it or just being like, you know, shrugging or whatever, making me feel crazy for thinking that it was wrong. I was like, you know, you, you eventually, like, I held on to it for such a long time, but eventually you go like, am I the crazy one for thinking mm. this is wrong? Um, but things like, you know, when people say, um, oh, like, what, what was she wearing when something was happening? I was like, I was wearing skinny jeans. I was wearing jeans. Like, I mean, I, I kind of, what, what if I, Want a tracksuit? Would he have not done it? <laughs> yeah. What, what could I have done? I mean, there was nothing like that. I felt like the victim, and more not the victim. I felt very vulnerable for a long time because part of my story, I would tell everybody, you know, I was from Australia. I'd moved there young, and I'd achieved all these things. But the visa I was on in the U.S., I could only make money selling my screenplays. So I was very vulnerable in that mm. respect. Everyone I would meet had power over me. And I was never prepared for that. I didn't mm. realize that it would be or how I would respond to that. There are some people who don't, I suppose, don't have, like just have different experiences with it. But no, I really, really struggled feeling out of control in my life because it was all connected. Mm. You know, if someone was just meeting with me to try and get into my pants, well, then I've just wasted weeks and lots of work. I'm not going to get paid for it. How the hell am I going to make money? No one is backing me up. And so, yeah, I fought for as long as I could. And the moment, I suppose it kicked in, because like, as I said, I didn't talk about it with anybody because the first few times things had happened, it was shut down. So I just didn't speak about it. Then I'd had that moment of I'm in the pit of despair. And it was because I, when I woke up that morning, I realized, I was like, I'd always go through, like, what is something good I can look forward to today? And there was just nothing. I couldn't think of anything. It wasn't even like, I was like, I'm not even excited about eating lunch. Like, because that was always like, let me get to have cheese ravioli for lunch. But at least you've got that. I do love cheese. <laughs> but to the point where I was like, oh, no. And then when I, like a few, like a little while later, 
um, sort of when the Harvey Weinstein story broke, my best friend was his longest serving female assistant. So she knew he was bad. We all knew he was bad, but she didn't know about the rape or anything like that. She knew he cheated on his wife all the time. Everyone did. That was no secret. But so all of these stories started coming out and she started revealing more things. And I'm sitting there going, like, hang on a second. We all have these stories. We haven't told them to each other. Mm-hmm. We were sort of telling them to the men who were in power and they weren't caring about it. But all of us vulnerable women weren't telling each other about it. Why do you think so? Why do you think? Because we were made to feel like it was our fault. And so you don't want to go and tell another girl because you're humiliated. You're Mm -hmm. you're just, there's that, it's changing a little bit, but not that much, not enough that you, you know, that if a man does something, it's a woman's fault. What we, what, what did you do to contribute to this? And I'd be like, I was just there for meetings. Like it got, sometimes there would be men who would say, look, they would change the meetings. They'd be like, let's have drinks meetings and everything. And I thought, oh, this is like a date at this point. Mm. At this point, I was like, well, at least we're in public. Yeah. But, but at the same time, it was just like a date. And I would always try and bring the conversation back to work. And it was, they would treat me like I was like just the nerd, basically. <laughs> like the dork in the corner who just wants to be professional. I'm like, no, that's exactly who I am. Yeah. Yeah. Embrace it because that's the only reason I'm here. Oh, my gosh. And what was that moment that you realized it wasn't your fault? Because you were talking about you didn't feel like you were in control of your life. And it didn't sound like you were because the visa and everything and the power. What was that moment when you went, no, fuck this. I need to own this and I need to take control of my life again. I don't think that that moment really happened until I was actually back in Australia, to be honest. Mm, yeah. Like I had, I moved to New York and it was a really positive experience. And then I just, I actually came home for three weeks just for a holiday and to visit family. And I knew I was still very, very broken. I was putting, still spending so much energy putting on a brave face. And then I ended up sort of extending the time here. because I did go and start doing some therapy and it was, it was in that, therapy that I was able to go oh okay hang on this is not connected to me it was actually pretty quick it was just like having that I had this amazing therapist she was fantastic she had the sweetest most calming voice and we would just talk through everything and she just validated my feelings my instincts of it being wrong Mm. and I got to the point where I was like when I started to feel empowered and back to my normal self, I was like, I cannot go and fix myself and do all of this effort and then just go back to Hollywood and have it all happen again. I was like, what a waste of time. I felt like I would, at that, I would feel stupid in myself if I just went back because Mm. it's already changed. Yeah. Like I had. So yeah, that's when I made the decision that no, I'll never ever write for money ever again. And I was resentful for that for Mm. quite a while. But then I actually realized that in my writing, the only thing I ever wrote about was strong women. <laughs> really all I did. And they were always exploring that thematically in some way. I realized I could do that in a different way and have much more control over my life. It didn't require me to go to Hollywood and write about it. So, yeah. Well, that's powerful, though. And I do want to touch on um, your healing and forgiveness because I think that is something that people don't talk about enough. We talk about how we got to A to Z kind of thing, but we don't talk about that sort of that lower, you have to get into your work. You've got to understand who yeah. you are, do the work, and you've got to heal and you've got to forgive. You've got to pick up the rocks and go, holy crap, what's under that? Um, mm-hmm. So can you talk us through, I guess, your healing process and your mm-hmm. forgiveness process with, I guess, if you have forgiven those acts? Mm-hmm. and um, yourself so I forgive myself I don't forgive them mm-hmm. I'll never forgive them yeah but instead of wasting time trying to forgive them they did unforgivable things mm-hmm. there's no point like because I know it that what they did was wrong there's no point trying to forgive, like forgive it what I have focused on being grateful for is me being able to take these experiences and do something positive with them mm-hmm. that it, it that has been life-changing in the sense that, like, what a waste of time to sit here trying to work out how to forgive them. Yeah. No, I don't even name them because 
I've, I've sent a few warning shot emails to them to make sure that these men are on high, high alert that I would if pushed. Yeah. But, um, but no, like I will never name them or anything like that because I don't want to be connected to them in any way. But my healing came from just finding as quickly as possible, not just something positive in it, but something proactive in it. Mm. Like, okay, how can I like just work with this? How can I do something with it? And that just came really organically. It was like, because I just could very clearly see that my life would have been better if I had a strong female support network around me. It didn't have to be physically around me. I just needed to be able to talk to other women privately, securely, and as easily as possible. And because I just I just knew that every fiber of my being, I knew how I could channel it into doing something really positive. Which is amazing. I love that. You've just used it as fuel in your, yeah. your belly and going, you know what, this is what I'm going to do. Well, let's talk yeah. about, I guess, women. You're saying strong women and surrounding yourself with those types of people. Like talk us through that, with especially if there's females listening right now that may not have that. Like what do you see are the benefits? Like how could you find a support network if you're not surrounded by people like that right now? First of all, I think when I talk about strong women, and I think this is something that isn't discussed enough. We get this like image of the term of strong women that you have to be like this sort of very stoic and almost manly woman to be considered strong. No, you can be a quiet little wallflower, of which I am not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we both are. <laughs> but I, oh God, I love whenever I see like women like that, I'm like, it's so delicate and lovely and beautiful. Like I wish they have just such an aura about them. I wish I had I'm much more chaotic. But no, you can be any type of woman mm -hmm. you don't have to be like one version of strength it's whatever it is for you that's the number one most important thing for yes. me um and then so with what i did in terms of being able to um you know i i just found that strong female support network in new york by sort of stumbling across it by accident i mean the room was cheap enough for me to live in <laughs> And it just happened it came with three awesome female roommates. And we, we it was really interesting because we didn't actually go and spend time with each other outside of the apartment very often. Like sometimes we'd go for a walk or things like that. But we all had our jobs. We all had our lives. It was in the morning and nights where we would like either pump each other up in the mornings and then just at night talk it all through. We would like laugh about everything that was happening to us cry, laugh until we cried, joke about things. Like we would sit there on Tinder, swipe you through and judging guys. Like it was just, you know, it was like there's lots of dirty girl talk. Like it was just so much fun. Yeah. Because even though like we were all experiencing different things at the same time, the essence was all the same. And just having female support networks like, and females really talk to them, like coming from a place of understanding mm -hmm. much more than you talking to anybody else. So it's really nice. So that's basically, so when I came back to Australia and was like, okay, I want to sort of do this into something, it was my mum when we were talking it through who said, let's create an app. And I was like, great idea. We don't know how to do apps. We have, we don't know how to code. We, I mean, I use apps is probably the biggest like experience I had with them. And so, but we just spent a few days talking it through, like, maybe two weeks of just talking it through of like how cool it would be if there was just something that you could just have sort of in the palm of your hand where you could privately talk to a woman on any part of the world, sort of the drop of a hat whenever you needed to. And so that's how we came up with Giggle. And so we created an app. Giggle is the collective noun for a group of girls. And so we came up with an app where you could connect for roommates, for freelance work, promotional support, activism, exercise, hobbies, social things, um, business like mentoring and network things, and it's just strictly female only. And it's just we we based it around giving women choice, control, consent, and connection in their lives. So every decision we made was about that. Mm. And it's used we it's Giggle is currently in eighty three countries around the world. Okay. And so you can find yeah, I mean you can you can connect with a woman in Africa. You can connect with women in Europe. South America, America, Australia, UK, everywhere to get um, yeah, connection and support 
help. And even if you don't need help at that particular time, you can go on there and be like, I'm going to pay it forward. I will help others. Oh, my God. That is so empowering. Yeah. Oh, my so gosh. You should be proud of your work. Thank you. It's been like a huge – we're coming up to two years that we've been working on it because we started – I came back in August 2018. Yeah. And so we had the first conversations about it in 2018, and that's when I started therapy, and so, like, I was just – I was a shell of a person. Mm. But, like, sort of just – I was so determined to quickly recover and find my voice again and get my voice back. And one thing I will say, I have lost a few friends in this ah. process. Of finding my voice, getting my self-esteem. <laughs> yeah, because that's what happens. You, you change as a person, mm -hmm. you start to become strong again, and you start to see that there are some people in your life who who were much more comfortable when you weren't as vocal. That is so yeah. important though. And I've yeah. said it I say it all the time, like, and I think one of Tony Robbins quotes is like, if you don't grow, you die. And it's yes. one of those things, like you're constantly evolving and transforming and trying to figure out who you are and where you want to go. And you're not going to have all the same friends that you had back in high school. It's mm -hmm. like, to be honest, I don't think I talked to anyone. Like, because that's just right. where you yeah. go in life. And the people that, who I was back then versus who I am now, I don't even want to be friends with me. Like, <laughs> oh my God, I would, like, I would just detest 15 year old me. But no, exactly. And I think that we're sort of sometimes indoctrinated with this idea that like you have to be like BFFs for life. And that's like if you don't have that, you're like a bad person. Yeah. You're, just, like, you're just using and dismissing people or anything. It's like, no, people change. Like I have one of my best friends who ever, ever is um, we lived in London together when we were like in our very early 20s. She stayed. She is now a mom of four. Wow. I'm not. <laughs> yeah. And so we don't talk as much as we used to. Mm. I have no, we have no ill feelings towards each other. We will we 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 check in with each other every few months, and it makes me so sad that we like we talked every day up until we were about 26, 27, 28. We don't anymore. Yeah. But she has four kids to think about. Mm. I have an app and a dog. Like our lives <laughs> very different, and so it's just of course it's not going to be the exact same friendship. It's important to just honour that, acknowledge that. I have some other friends who, when I, yeah, in beginning with sort of last year, in 2019, um, I would sort of start to call them out on some things that I was like, no, nope, I don't agree with that. Whereas previously, because I was so broken, I'd lost my voice and I had no, no sense of who I was, I would just ignore things. I'd let things go. I stopped doing that. Friendship ended. Oh, my gosh. I've literally gone through the same thing. Like... And I think, you know, in life we have every seven years, I think it's called, you go through this huge transformational growth. It's like your chakras, whatever it is. There's so many different mm -hmm. you know, labels to it. And I'm honestly the same. I've gone through that last sort of seven-year life, if that makes mm -hmm. sense, and now I'm going entering into my new sort of seven years. And I've actually gone, you know what, I know these friends have been part of my life for forever, but they're actually not the type of people I need for the next seven years. And it's yeah. letting them and go when down the track they might come back. Yeah, and one of the liberating things I think to look at it is going like it's not a bad thing because to somebody else I'm the person they're like they're not she, like I'm not for someone in their next state and that's fine they've gotten everything they can from me cool maybe I haven't gotten everything I have gotten I wanted to get from that person but you sort of have to accept it yes. and you meet new people. Like every now and then with the friends I don't have anymore that I, you know, that were sort of in that old horrible life that I had, every now and then I do miss them. And, you know, you have that instinct of like, oh, I'm going to tell that person that. And you can't anymore. You get that moment of sadness. Yeah. But I just sort of, I try and just sort of sit in the sadness for a second and be like, no, it was really sweet. That was my person I told that to. Like, okay, I need to find someone else. Yes. Try to find a new person. Or you turn to yourself more. I've learned to yeah. turn within or journal or do something creative. And I'm like, actually, I didn't really need to talk to anyone. I just needed to write it out. Yeah. Or just, like, listen to myself with it. Or, like, have a laugh with myself. I think, yeah, there's nothing bad about that. Yes. You, you might be able to sound like a crazy person when you've got different voices in your head. But that's all right. At least you get the outcome you're after. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I mean, we're just, yeah, it's just, 
finding your tribe. I think that like, yes. and that just changes. It doesn't have to be the same people forever. Your vibe is your tribe. Like you'll attract yeah. that into your life and you'll have different energies throughout your life. So That's I agree with that. I agree with yeah. that 100%. Like you, attracted you into my life. There you go. Yeah, I mean, like I'm 35 now. I think of like 20-year-old me. I mean, they're just they're two completely different people. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm sure there's something similar in there. I still, I swear like a trucker that hasn't changed. But that will never change for me either, don't no. worry. <laughs> I'll embrace that. It gets worse with age, I find. It does. Yeah. <laughs> My biggest fear is, is swearing in the most inappropriate times. Oh, I've it done it all happen. the time. It's like the story of my life. I'll say something yeah. and I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, I'm so sorry. That should have been inside my head. Yeah. Like, I'll be the person if I ever do get married one day, it'll be like, do you take this man? i like, yes. Yeah, that, that would be me. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Something that sprung to my mind, because we're talking about having sort of strong friendships and women, everything like that. Like, what are your thoughts about because social media has grown so much with women tearing other women down? on social media like what are your thoughts around that yeah i don't like it social media has given us this sort of um false sense of security that every person's opinion needs to be heard yes it just it doesn't like just i don't understand the thing of commenting like you know like on someone's instagram or someone's tweet or something something negative yes i just don't understand it like don't me wrong, there are a few Instagram accounts that I kind of, I call it like I hate follow because I'm just like, I'm like, how does this person exist? They're so ridiculous. I've never once commented that the negativity I feel about that person and why I follow them, what's between me? <laughs> yes. They don't need to know. They're just doing their thing. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I just, I, I, I do not understand it. Like sort of, you know, the mummy shamers and things like that. Yes. Yeah. I think it's because... It's when you have when it all happens in public because there's the chance that other people will support you and that's what sort of happens. I I was talking to someone the other day about it actually and Twitter and Instagram in terms of just the comments and that sort of uh, the being able to respond and things like that it does celebrate you being at your worst because there's the the mob mentality with it and and they always go after the easy targets as well. Yes. Like there's no, you know, and let's say like so some of the like the Instagram girls and things like that who I think are geniuses. I think if you have been able to make just being yourself into a viable profession, I did three university degrees and I am not that smart. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Like if you can just monetize that. I just think you're fantastic. Whatever you stand for, just the fact that you can even do it, great. I mean, they they they. These girls turned the entire marketing and advertising industry on its head. Yes. They don't get the credit they deserve for that. And they no. sort of took it back into their own hands. I think that that's genius. Then I see what people will comment and say to them. I just, no, it's, it, it's, you know, spreading, it's spreading hate. Yes. And it comes um, from this place of, those people projecting their own insecurities and fears onto this other person and then you have this wolf pack sort of mentality yeah. and everyone jumps on board and I'm yeah. like, you little keyboard warriors, you wouldn't say that to someone's you face. To face. You just wouldn't. So that's my thing with social media. I've always maintained that if I would not say it to someone's face or in person, I won't I won't say it. Yes, me too. If you, if you stick to that sort of philosophy you can exist quite well yeah it's, no. it's quite easy yeah like i see um, chrissy teigen actually i follow her on twitter and the ridiculous hate she gets is absurd and i'm like why why you're making her more money by doing that like they don't get that like and i sit there and go you hate on these people and they're making more money for it so continue that because yeah. They're probably like, yeah, whatever. Every time you hate me, there's another million dollars. Thank you. Yeah, I've experienced it myself to the point where, like, um, there are some 
older women who are very feisty sort of radical feminists and like don't get me wrong when I'm like 60 or 70 I have no idea how fed up with everything I will be so <laughs> I accept their grumpiness so that's fine but they will they have had some of them have had issues with my company name being giggle because they're like oh that's just like the word that men have used to oppress us I'm like is it <laughs> like no and I'm like it's just the collective noun for a group of girls collective noun for a group of women is gaggle which is just not a fun word but it's also the collective noun for a group of geeks so it wasn't just ours I was like just this is it's just fun we say we have lunch with the girls we have girl talk we go for girls nights like it's just I find like I refer to myself as a girl I'm 35 like to me like a woman that's my mom <laughs> just like I just I don't really care about all of that sort of stuff I like I understand that in certain circumstances it's important, but I say to them, like, I'm not writing a legal dissertation here. It's just an app. It's an app. And Google is fun. And it's just, we have, like, yeah, we have drinks with the girls. Now we have a girls app. Just If you don't, if you have a, that much of a problem with the word giggle, just don't use it. It's not a law. Just move on. It's oh, fine. But why no. they, like, I, I did a thing recently, actually, I started responding. I was like, how many male-owned companies do you go and tell the CEO that you don't like the company name? Word. So the answer has been zero. <laughs> exactly. I agree with that 100%. Like this stuff, like I, my DMs get like bombarded and some of the things that are said, you're like, why was that necessary for you to take that one minute or 30 seconds just mm. to comment that to me? And I always, and it might be nasty, and I always go back with, I love you, appreciate you, no thank you for your kindness. <laughs> And none of them respond because they're probably like, uh, why isn't she getting angry? But I'm like, I'm not putting that energy out there. I'm, it's a representation of you, not me. Sometimes, like, I've gotten, I've gotten a bit frustrated sometimes in my responses, like when I've done them publicly, just because I'm just like, I, more than I've, I just want to make sure that the facts are out there. So I just explain, like, it it's put now for a group of girls. It's, like, people will then, like, send me screenshots of, like, the dictionary and the dictionary. <laughs> and I'm like, Yes, but like the collective noun for a group of unicorns is fantasy, a fantasy of unicorns. These are fun words. They're not in the dictionary. They're just, you can find lists of them. It's like the, the pandas, it's an embarrassment of pandas. Obviously the word embarrassment has a different meaning than it does in its collective noun. Yes. It's just, I, I don't have time to explain what collective nouns are to every single moron on the internet that wants to try and appear intelligent that spends that 30 seconds or one minute trying to google it screenshot and then send it to you like what was the purpose of that i don't know like sometimes i respond i'm like do you feel better (laughs) i'm kind of okay with it because you haven't actually affected me so if you feel good fine you sleep better at night yeah you do you yeah i love that It's a thing like it goes both ways, isn't it? It's like we don't know what you're going through in your life, but you don't know what I'm going through in mine. So just if you just lead with positivity, yes, or how you would in the real world, yes. No, I just thought I'd get your comments around that because that's funny. We're both super on that, and we've experienced similar things too, so that's good. It's even like for like I don't know when Tinder sort of first exploded, and you know, they would you see all of these things that like men would like say horrible things on there to women and I'd be like, what were they doing before this? Like were they just marrying the person and just slowly over time just destroying them tend to give them this great little outlet to just be like an asshole to begin with? Yeah. They go, don't even people don't even know what dating is now. Now you've got an app. It's like the modern dating. What did you do before an app? Yeah, I, I know. I think it's really bizarre that you could like the first ever conversation you have with your soulmate could happen while you're both in the toilet. Like we've just never yeah. ever experienced that in history. There you go. Oh. Bloody technology. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I was. When, when did you know Daddy was like, oh, I was hungover. Yeah, exactly. Feeling really sorry for myself. Yeah. Looking for something to do, and he made me laugh, and I was like, "This one's a keeper." That was a keeper, even though he's probably texting twenty other women. But that's all right. Oh, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> Modern day bachelorette, but on an app. It's great. <laughs> so I want to get back to your so your story. We just went on a little tangent there. But I wanted to understand 
from all of that experience, like what was your biggest lesson learned after experiencing that and now launching your app and looking back and reflecting? Okay. One of the big things I've learned that it does take a lot of energy to feel in control every day. It doesn't come easy. It's not like this thing where you just go like once you sort of feel more in control. It's like, oh, that's just, you know, that's great. No, you've got to check in with yourself constantly. Yes. And I didn't realize that, like, you know, you don't, you don't realize that when you're younger, before you've experienced any life things. Like, you know, I mean, I moved there when I was 24. Before that, I'd experienced nothing. Yeah. Yeah, a few broken hearts. That's about it. Yeah. But, yeah, once, yeah, once, you know, life starts to hit you, no, it, it is not easy being, it's not simple or easy being empowered. It takes work, and it's always daily because you're always growing. So you've always got to make sure there it just becomes more second nature that's about yes. it and i think the biggest you know to jump in with that the biggest lesson learned i had is from trying to control everything to then realizing the only thing i can control is me and how i yes. react and respond and do that so it's like this shift to go i think i can control everything to go no i can actually control fuck all <laughs> the only thing i can control is yeah. actually me that's like but then it's empowering at the same time Hundred percent. Oh, when you just like you just let go of the bullshit. That happens with age as well, I think. Yes. Yes. I think that everyone just has a lived experience of eventually you sort of just get there. because you, you cannot explain it to somebody who just hasn't experienced the hardships that make you get there. It's impossible yes. to and no, 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 no. Like the arrogance of youth. I remember when I was at like twenty and I was like, No, that'll never happen to me. Oh, yes it did. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. Professional to avoid all of this stuff. Lesson learned. No, I get that. And it's having that huge, I guess, self awareness and spiritual waking as well. You're not looking for that in your bloody teens and your early 20s. You're looking yeah. to party and do whatever else it is. But it's not until, I guess, my mid 20s that's when I went through that. But I had a child as well. So I had to grow up a lot faster. But that's when I went, you know what? Personal development. Who am I? Discover who it all is. What's meditation? What the hell is self-awareness? What does that mean? Like, you just, it's like, yeah. And there's some people that I've met in their 30s and 40s that actually come to me going, I have not even done that. And it's like everyone starts that journey at whatever age, but you don't genuinely do that in your early 20s. No, no. Because you just can't, because you haven't possibly lived enough different days to sort of get there to need to do it but it's just but knowing that it's coming is nice so then it's not as big of a shock yeah exactly so whatever we're saying now if you haven't gone through it you go okay they're not that shit crazy it will come your day will come when you realize you're in control of you (laughs) as sure as the sun rising tomorrow (laughs) it will happen it's so much fun I remember actually when I was so when I was finished high school, my parents sent me to London to live with my aunt, and so I was seventeen, and it was my first time like overseas in that capacity. Um, and she, we were having dinner one night, and she told me one of the most amazing days of your life is when you realize that not everyone likes you. And I still I remember like just like the shell shock of her saying that. Wow, that's powerful. So I realize like you you know that there's people that don't like you, but you know, you're sort of like, oh, is it my fault and things like that? Like, this is getting back to even what we were saying earlier. Yeah, when you just go like, yeah, I'm not for everyone. It's cool. Like, yeah, I've always said, like, I'm somebody, you either love me or you hate me. I don't think there's a person on this planet that goes like, Sal, she's just okay. Yeah. There's some people that really don't like me, and that's okay. It doesn't mean yeah. I have to change anything about myself. That is really moving. And I think my experience was when I came across this quote that said, Nothing in life means anything until you apply meaning to it. And that was my holy shit sort of moment. Like when I realized Mm -hmm. nothing in life means anything. So if people don't like me or not, it doesn't matter. It's up to me to choose how I react to that. My actually, the quote that changed my life in terms of just like actual like intimate relationships, it was the purpose of being a wallflower quote of um, you accept the love you think you deserve. Remember the first time I read that, I just went, Oh. <laughs> well like i am i am in control of this like wow. i can't sit there and bitch about having like this horrible boyfriend because i'm literally allowing it to happen yes 
Oh my gosh, I could talk about that topic all day, but that's all right. I'll have to get a wine for that one to continue that. But I'll stop. I I, I love that. So I wanted yeah. to ask you if like these are some of my final questions. But if you had to go back in time and experience all that again, and you could take one piece of advice from who you are today back there, what would you? What would your advice be to yourself? I mean, my instinct comes from the the vulnerability part that I would be, I would tell myself like you are putting yourself into a very vulnerable situation. You need to be aware of it. Yeah. Because I just wasn't for ages and and not being aware of it made me think, you know, it's my fault and, and not know how to fight back because I knew the mor- like morality of it all was wrong, but I didn't know that I did have control in the sense of, of being able to change my vulnerability situation, it would have meant I would have had to have had to leave earlier, yeah. which I I would have felt that that was me having to give up. Yeah. But in hindsight, I know that it wouldn't have meant that at all. I could have made, put myself in a much stronger position and gone back, and then because you know it was taken from me eventually anyway. Yeah. So had I removed myself from it earlier, put myself in a stronger situation and gone back, it might not happen. That's powerful. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. My next question for you is what does empower mean to you? As I said earlier, I th- I don't think there's one meaning. I think it's really subjective. I actually really resent when we're sort of always sold the one same image of it, one same concept. I think that one of the responsibilities every person has, but especially every woman has, is to work out what it means to you. Because like, so for example, like all different things, like there can be someone who like, you know, having that very traditional, you know, like husband, kids, stay at home mom, that can be very empowering to somebody. And that should be celebrated as such because that is, that is their strength comes from there. That's great. Mine does not. Mm-hmm. Mine is having, is actually being independent and having freedom that I can do whatever I want. Um, whereas that to someone else, that's a nightmare. I love that. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I think that it's understanding that actually in all of history, what women have fought for and have been talking about to get us to this point, we still have a way to go. But the big thing has been choice in our lives. And we do have a lot of that now. We're pretty much, for the most part, especially like us in the Western world, we have so much choice. Respect other women's choices. Yes. You might not agree with them, but accept that it's right for her. Yes. Oh my god, that's like a mic drop. You go, boop, mic drop. <laughs> yeah, that is one right there. Oh my god, I love that. And my final question is, what is your empowering quote that you live by? Like your little mantra. Fuck it. <laughs> I love that. Sorry. Okay, it'll be right. This is all right. Yeah. Keep going. It'll work out. I love that. It's simple though, and yeah. I pretty much say that every day, anyway. Constantly. But it's one of the good things that happen in bad things. Exactly. <laughs> Fuck it. They're right. Yeah. You realize that's yeah. going to be your quote on my little <laughs> on my Instagram, and it's going to be yeah. "fuck it" <laughs> in the good and the bad. Fuck it. <laughs> Yeah, my mum will see that. She won't be able to. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Nice That's great. Well, that are that are all the questions that I have. Even though I've wrote down heaps more, but I know we will end up talking bloody for four hours. But honestly, I just want to say thank you so much. Like, I love this podcast. I love your energy. I love your purpose. Everything thank about you. you. Same with you, and I and also like no one can see this, but I loved your lipstick. <laughs> There we go. I'll have to take a selfie afterwards. Like, this is the lipstick she was talking about. Well, sure, because it's really cool. Like, you just look awesome. I like look like the cat just dragged me out of bed, and you like just look fresh and awesome, and it's just like vibrant and perfect. No. Well, what I'm going to do now that we've sort of wrapped that up, I just want to take a photo of us because we'll put it on Instagram to say we've just had the photo, that we're doing it. But I will email you um when i'm scheduling this date i think it's next month i can't remember what week i've got it in um 
but I'll let um, you know all that. And I'll um I'll go if you want to send me through some photos that you want me to upload. Otherwise, I'll go on your Instagram and find something. Yeah, no, I can send you a whole bunch, and you can go on there as well. Yeah, no, but definitely yeah, like that. But honestly, thank you so much for being part of this. I loved it, and I love your blogs as well. I read them like it's the email. I love them. Oh no, thank you. It's good, and I, as I say, like I want this to be like a relationship, like win-win, long-term. I don't yeah. do any transactional shit. Haven't no. got time for that. I want to keep, you know, connecting and, you know, down the track. If you've got another big milestone you want to share, let's get back together yeah. again. We do, actually. So, on people, we're actually launching, um, well, it's being built right now, but basically it's going to have its own Twitter. Yeah, it's called Giggle Talk, and so it will be basically a place where just women can publicly have an opinion and there's not going to be misogynistic abuse. There's going to be women being bitchy to each other. That's fine, but it's going to be fascinating to watch yes <laughs> it's being built like right now the coders have just started so oh my gosh how exciting september is when it will come out september, september there we go well you let me know then yes and we're also actually going to be doing down the track our um next funding round and i'm do and it's actually australia only and i'm chosen to do oh. it through equity crowdfunding, which basically means that unsophisticated investors, i.e. normal people just like us, yeah. can invest for like, our minimum is going to be $200. And so basically you can buy some shares in Giggle for $200. And like when Giggle sells down the road, like you might earn like two or $3,000 from that. Mm. And I put it this way because I didn't want to have to go to venture capitalists and quantify misogyny to them or why a female space is important. Because then most of them are men they're horrible to speak to, and it would just be making some millionaire more money. I have no interest in that. I want to always be working with and for women. And so when we discovered equity crowdfunding is only new in Australia, it only got approved by ASIC in the end of 2018, which is perfect timing for us, but it's just this way that just everyday women can own giggle. There we go. We'll put that yeah. information up when you um, yeah. have that. Let me know, and I'll post yeah. that for you as well. The end of this year or next year, we don't know yet. COVID just fuck it. <laughs> fuck it, exactly. Like, <laughs> well, thank you so much. This has been awesome. I loved it. There you go. Thank you. Mwah. I appreciate you, and I will keep you posted on when I'm going to be loading this up. Awesome. Cool. Have a great rest of your That's day. That's all right. See you, Sal. So that is a wrap up, my little empowered warriors. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast episode. Remember, you need to take action. So number one, make sure that you've subscribed to this podcast if you haven't already. Ensure that you're following me on social media for extra zhuzh in your life so that I can help you empower yourselves. But also be sure to share this content as well. I'm a big believer that if we share this, we're also teaching other people around us to be empowered. So if you loved it, give it a thumbs up, subscribe, share the content. And if you want more information on coaching sessions, ebooks, anything to do with empowering yourself, be sure to head to my website, www.empower-.com. That is it from me, but I will check in with you guys next week. Remember, stay empowered because empowered people empower others and we need to be the change that we want to see in this world.